This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Thursday, it's the 8th of June 2023. Coming up today, more perspectives on how to use Vision Pro as disabled people. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, are you sick of Apple WWDC yet? Uh, do you know what? I was quite worried. <laughs> Funnily enough, I was quite worried that we were, you know, over-egging it a little bit. But no, absolutely not. Every day there's something new I'm learning about. Well, not just the Vision Pro, but everything from WWDC. It, it's so, there's just so much. And of course, the sessions were ongoing as well. So it's great. Yeah, and it's funny, this year is probably the first year I've ever really got into the developer sessions themselves. Never really bothered with that too much. I always felt a little bit closed off, and it is very much for the developers, the app people, but honestly... Oh, yeah, but so many year, nuggets in there. Yeah, and I think what I'm learning a lot about is the actual process of how developers can make their apps accessible. And I think if, if more of us pay attention to this... We're not going to put up any longer with, oh, well, we just, we haven't put accessibility in because, you know, we just, we just didn't. It's like, really? With all that available to you, with all the toys you have, you didn't do it? Yeah. Why don't you read this piece or download the developer app, which I've done already. As I said, just looking through, looking through the release notes or even just the betas. There's a lot of information in there that you, you never heard before. There's different frameworks, new frameworks in there. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I don't understand a lot of it, like I say, but it's interesting. <laughs> I'm exactly the same. Most of it, I'm like, wow, that's uh, brilliant. Yeah, what? But, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. The point is that what we are starting to create or, or what Apple are creating here and what we are gathering is essentially a bunch of resources we can send to developers to say, exactly. hey, check this out. You, you'll understand this better than we will, and this is how you can do it. And you kind of hope that that will then apply, you know, because essentially if you get a developer interested, I, I believe this to the core, that if you get a developer interested in the tools that are out there, I think most developers, not all obviously, but I think a lot of developers love playing around with these things and they love mm. adding new elements in. And yeah. to, to, to them, this is a toy box. And that's yeah, how absolutely. we need to sell it to them, right? I mean, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have to sell accessibility, right? But we kind of <laughs> have to as well. We kind of have to. Because it's not, that, it's, not, it's not even that we're selling the idea of accessibility or selling that you know, it's the right thing to do or any of that stuff. Of course, that's all important. It's telling people that we exist and this is how we need to use these devices because there are still people to this day, despite everything we talk about in this show, despite the conversations we have, I almost every day when I used to go to an office every single day, I'd meet someone who could not believe I could use a smartphone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was the thing when the iPhone first came out and it became accessible, wasn't it? Everyone used to come up to you saying, how do you use that? That's incredible. It used to be virtually every day. You're right. That's absolutely true. I still get it. I still get, I, I still get people on trains. I remember the time, I think I told you this story, and it's so hilarious when you think about it. And it says a lot about how people see us as individuals. And I thought this was a really stark example of it. I was sitting on a train and I had my wireless keyboard, my little Bluetooth keyboard sitting there, probably my Logic, uh, Logitech keyboard that I love. And uh, my iPhone was next to it. I had AirPods in and my iPhone screen was, my screen curtain was on. So therefore, obviously, you know, there's nothing on the screen. And I'm working away and I'm doing what I'm doing. And the next minute, this guy across from me is sitting on the train. He's sitting across and he says, he leans over and he says, do, do, you, do you know your, your phone isn't actually on? Ah, oh, he's being helpful. Yeah. And I said, actually, it is. I said, do you want me to show you? I said, actually, this is how I use it. And he says, all right. And, and the guy next to him was kind of like, oh, how does this work? And so I showed them. <laughs> A and training, then, training hour. Yeah. And suddenly there's people, there's people like starting to come over from other seats, like kind of leaning across going, what? And I thought, what a great opportunity, right? So just use it, right? Get yeah. people on board, literally on board a train and on board with this. There you go. There's a marketing campaign I w- on I board have, with Stephen. I would have passed the hat round afterwards. <laughs> can, I, can I get some Substack coins at the end of this or something? You know, come on. So I, I'm true. sitting there and the 
But the funniest bit about that story is not not all that, not all the, the the teaching and the learning and the stuff that was wonderful about it. The interesting bit was that at the end of the conversation, the guy who leaned across the table and said to me, "Hey, your phone isn't on," turned out to be my cousin. He didn't <gasps> even see me. He saw what I was doing first. Oh, he saw no. the disability first, and it was only after he said, "Stephen." <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he said, it's, and he said his name. And I said, oh my God. <laughs> so that's a little bit weird, Stephen. <laughs> that is I odd. am not surprised by that. Really? I have to tell you that. No, no, nothing surprises me. Nothing surprises me like this at all. I've, uh, this, I've had other experiences like this where I've met people and they see the cane first and then they realise it's me second. I see it all the time, which I think is probably why I have such a strong view on the whole identity politics and Putting putting your blindness first in your identity. I just I'm not for that. I just don't see it. I don't see it. to me. It just diminishes you as an individual. And I'd rather be me. Hi, I'm Stephen. Rather than hi. You almost kind of whenever you meet people and they say, "Oh, you're blind." You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you want to move on as quickly as possible. You're like, "Yeah, okay, fine, whatever." Yeah, I get it. I know it's not yeah. used to me. Really? Am I? <laughs> I I just thought it was very dark everywhere I went. <laughs> well, I I left home when I was 16 so and every now and again when I go back I'll bump into people I was at school with and obviously back then my vision was okay uh, and when I go home now with a stick and sunglasses mm. on it is surprising you are I, di- I didn't I didn't recognize you well okay I'm a bit fatter and older but apart from that you know I still it's still me it is um yeah it's quite surprising have you ever had the um the one I used to get, I still get to this day, actually, sometimes, where they say, oh, I didn't know it was that bad. Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I get all that. But to be fair, a lot of the time, being an RPer, a lot of the time I was playing it down anyway. So, mm. yeah, sort of, I'll take some responsibility for that. But, yeah, I thought you just used to, had to wear glasses. No. It's so funny. Growing up with partial sight, in order to try and fit in sometimes with any crowd, because you didn't fit in with the sighted mob, you didn't fit in with the blind mob, you were stuck in the middle Mm-hmm. So you either played it down or you played it up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, very and true. And sometimes you would play, and I would sometimes play it up. I'd be like, you know, oh yeah, I can't see that when I maybe could because mm-hmm. it would it would help me fit in a little bit more. And it was interesting that now I play it down a lot more. And, you know, people say to me, can you see this? And I just say, yeah, yeah, well, that's amazing. What a great picture. Yeah. I just go along with it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I can't see it. And I think as long as nobody ever asks me what any of this actually is, I'll be fine. <laughs> Um, and it's not, I, I don't, I'm not in denial about it. I, I'm kind of just for their sake because yeah, I always exactly. feel people just feel so yeah. bad about, oh, I'm so sorry. You can't. And you just kind of go, yeah, yeah, oh, it's beautiful. It's like today yes. with someone in the house getting work done and, you know, the guy's showing me all these books and I'm like, yeah, it's all beautiful. Yeah. And I'm saying to my wife, which one do you want? Which one do you want? Because I don't know. I honestly have no idea. It's just, honestly, it is ridiculous. But um, anyway. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about Apple and WWDC. <laughs> yeah, we drifted I'll, off there. I want to know anyway. what you've bought, which you have no idea what it looks like or what it is. That's really interesting. And do you want to know what it is? I'll tell you. There's a great irony in it. It's blinds. Ah! <laughs> I bought blinds. I bought blind people. No, I didn't buy blind people. I bought blinds for the house. Uh, yeah, that, that's the thing with this house because we, uh, light is our enemy. Mm, yes, no, absolutely true. <laughs> I'm a vampire these days when it comes to, and the less light, the better. And the guy I'm saying to him, I'm like, I want it blackout and I want it to be as dark as possible. And he's yes. like, okay. And I'm like, so basically, I want you to, could you just seal the entire window up? Maybe even just concrete the thing. Just that would break be easy. <laughs> break it up. <laughs> Don't need it. I know we had double line blackout, and there's also something like a thermal lining as well to keep the heat in or yeah, out or yeah. something. That's another thing. Yeah. How thick are these things going to be? I know it is ridiculous the amount of uh, money. Uh, by the way, I know you've been getting some work done in your house. Your uh, lovely lady's been posting all over Facebook. By the way, I hope you know this. Has she? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The news shouldn't is... be allowed on oh, Facebook. I, I have to tell you though, I am loving your dog's mm. new home. Yeah, no, I, I was, uh, let me just say, I was against it. We've got, it's a very small house with very little storage space. So under the stairs, we boxed in to make a cupboard, you know, where you put the ironing board and the, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. vacuums and everything. Uh, but for the other half of that space, she wanted it to be a kennel for the dog built in. Yep, quite right. And I said, no, there is absolutely no point. Firstly, he sleeps on the bed anyway. No, no way is he going to go in there. No. 
And of course, she won, obviously, and we had it done. And it looks like enormous mice are in our house because the, the entryway is is one of those like from Tom and Jerry. It's an archway. And when he's in there, it's like, that's just a massive giant mouse in our house. But yeah, I was proven wrong. He's um he loves it and um apparently is he going Facebook. In? Yeah, yeah, he goes in. He's the yeah. Oh, Especially brilliant. now because it's warm and it's nice and cool in there. So yeah, a big Labrador in a massive uh, mouse hole under the stairs. It's <laughs> it's weird. But that's my house. It's definitely weird. Wow, that is. I, I was thinking this was going to be your new shed. You know, you're going to go backwards, go back that, under, the, under stairs. the stairs again. I miss those days. Yeah, but no, oh. it's just for the dog. The dog and ironing board. I'm just put out in the shed. I actually think that I would see that as an upgrade for you. I would say that you know you've progressed. The dog now has the place you were in. So I mean, the dog is in theory lower in the chain. I mean, <laughs> only only in a sort of human to dog yeah, yeah. situation. But but in reality, in the, the family dog is, dynamic, he's way up there. Wife, dog, <laughs> children, any, any other animal that's in the house, including <laughs> rats, mice, or otherwise, slugs, and then hopefully, <sighs> hopefully you. Well, now I'm depressed. Can we move on now? <laughs> Let's talk about the Vision Pro. Uh, listen, coming up, um, we're going to have an interview with Colin Hughes today. Now, Colin has muscular dystrophy. And I thought it'd be really interesting because over the course of this week, we've had very different perspectives. We got Michael talking from the blind point of view. Shelley talked from a low vision point of view about Apple Vision Pro. But what about physical disability? And this was something that did come up at the conference and actually came up in the subsequent con- uh, convention. What would you call it? Um, sessions, conference sessions yes. that they do. Uh, it was really interesting to hear how they're going to make it possible for someone to use their head or their hands or their voice only or a combination of all of that in order to be able to to use this uh, this hardware this this new hardware this new operating system essentially yeah so i I find this really really interesting and i i wonder how this will work and colin is going to talk about it from his point of view he's got lots to say on this so we'll we'll get to colin in a few moments i want to get to some of our voicemails though we get lots and lots of our uh, emails and voicemails uh, and i thought we should maybe get to some of those this week because we've been focused so much on wwdc but we have been monitoring the inbox as we go and uh, darren sent us this message hello this is darren from bexley and kent darren platt um just ringing regarding the vision pro announced on wdc um my interest is what will be interesting to see is what happens as far as the specialist firms that currently exist in selling the hardware. I'm talking in the UK, I'm talking of Sight and Sound, Vision Aid, Enhanced Vision, Humanware, and uh, Optilec, and all these other firms that exist. Will this have a, an effect on them? Um, I know they've diversified into other products, but it'll be interesting to see what happens and what Google's reaction going to be. Will they develop something similar or better? This could be very interesting time. Yeah, so I'm watching this space with interest. Look forward to more. This is Darren saying bye for now. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Darren. Yeah, I think it's... This is a big question now, isn't it? How will the other companies start to compete? And there's two questions in there, really, from Darren. One is, obviously, the the other companies, how they will respond to this, the Metas, the Googles, the others who are mm. out there. I mean, even Amazon. Would Amazon do something like this? I mean, Amazon are known for coming out with a product which is, let's just say, a lot cheaper because they seem to be able to mass market stuff and sell it on the cheap. Um <laughs> Sell it on the cheap. You should work for their marketing team. (laughs) We sell it on the cheap. Well, they do. I mean, come on. The Echo devices, they're so cheap. No, no, you're absolutely right. HomePods. The thing here, though, is that technology is absolutely amazing. I mean, the display alone. I'm not sure if, if people can catch up. The displays people have been using in the VR so far have been one of the major sticking points. Either they make people nauseous, you know, there's a, a pancake, uh, weird effects on the visuals from yeah, the lens yeah. and from how they're placed. It's really difficult. And that's not even to say about, you know, how big they are, how heavy they are. And um, what Apple have done here, and this is why I am so excited because, you know, I'm, I am a nerd at heart as well. Never mind the accessibility of it. The tech is absolutely amazing. I'm not sure anyone is close to this because 
why wouldn't they have done it already? The R&D that's gone into this is absolutely amazing. I think uh, I think the companies are probably going to sit back and, and see how how the um, market responds to Apple's new product. But they'll definitely be um, keeping a close eye, as they do with everything Apple, though, don't they? Yeah, but I, I must admit, I, I think with the one thing I've learned over the years is the time frame it takes for things to develop. And, you know, that product, the Apple Vision Pro, probably would have been in the works for, what, five years, maybe six years? Oh, at least, yeah. And at minimum. Been, yes. I mean, since the LiDAR was introduced and the augmented reality, that was never meant for, you know, peering through the letterbox size screen of your iPhone or even mm. your iPad for that matter. They they knew what where they were going with this. And I think it's just a case of waiting for the technology to catch up. And even now, look, we're, we're looking at it saying, Are you, would you wear this outside and it's still ski goggles, big ski goggles? You know, they're not done by by a long shot. It's just waiting for that technology to catch up. But this is advanced, more advanced than anything anyone's brought out so far. But it is going to be an interesting conversation. And when we have our next chat with, you know, the guys from Envision or the guys from Orcam or the guys from any of the companies who are developing specialist versions, I guess, of this kind of technology, which, you know, generally has a, a narrower focus than something like the Vision Pro would have because of the amount of features that yeah, Vision Pro will have in it. Um, I'll, be, I'll be really interested to hear what they think about this, because... There is that viewpoint that these devices will no longer be required in a world of Vision Pro. Now, that's not to say they aren't required. I think there will be a market for them. But I, because I think there's some people who just will not want all the bells and whistles that go with it. I mean, it's that's the same. That's the angle. It's Absolutely. The, you, you know, the comparison here is Blind Shell Classic and iPhone. Yes. You know, the Blind Shell Classic does a lot of what the iPhone can do, but it does less. But ultimately, it does what people want it to do. And that's why it's popular. You know, but I you don't have all the bells and whistles of the iPhone or Android. I saw a TV advert the other day for Orcam. I think it was the Orcam Read, actually. But yeah, yeah, either yeah. way, I mean, they're doing fine. And um, when we're talking about the Orcam My i2, for me, that that is an expensive piece of kit. But there are people out there who say, I really love it. It, it allows me to do what I want to do. And, you know, it's all about the ease of use. So I think you're right. I think there will be an angle here that the companies will play, saying that this, if you're blind, this is for you. And the mainstream stuff maybe is too much. I've seen that for decades being played, and I do not agree with that. But, you know, I think these companies will adapt. I don't know how they're going to do it, but the good ones will survive, definitely. Yeah, I mean, Orcam are being smart with the Orcam read because they're selling it nowadays. It seems more as a product for people who are just struggling yes. to read or yeah. who just want to be able to sit back in the way that, you know, it, it seems to sit in those among those adverts for those, you know, gigantic magnifiers, you know, magnification glasses with torches in them. You know, you see these ads on the telly all the time for these things. Did it's you have this, a magnifying screen for your TV? I think I, I did at one point. I think I, I remember once getting a thing years ago. It was basically a pair of uh, monoculars. You know, they used to get the old monoculars as, as blind or visually impaired people. You get these monoculars for seeing the bus coming or whatever it was, and you'd have like a manual focus ring on the front of it. It wasn't autofocus. Yeah. Um, and it was basically that, but on a pair of glasses. And I <sighs> sat with two you know, telescopes essentially coming out of Bolty. my face. <laughs> Sexy. That was that was the uh, Vision Pro of that day, though. You that know, was, that, that's yeah. fine, yeah. You could see basically a quarter of the screen at any time. <laughs> yeah, it is going to be interesting, though, Darren, what, what the companies do. I mean, Stephen, you've already said, you know, you think the move is into making your features or functions available through apps. Yeah. It's probably the way to go. And I've got to say, I think the hardware is a much, much harder sell now, especially at the prices they were asking. Yeah. Well, Darren, thank you for the message. Uh, keep them coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. You can call one 803 4567 Leave us a voicemail. Hey, Biggles here. A uh, couple of thoughts on the, uh, the vision um, thing. Uh, I haven't heard anything about connectivity for it other than Wi-Fi. I don't believe it has a cellular radio in it, which would make it difficult to take outside without tethering to a phone, which sort of defeats its purpose. Uh, the other thing I was thinking about the Annie um, 
app is where does the data go? You say take pictures and upload it so it can convert it to um, OCR, or you can talk to it and it talks back, but what happens to the data? Is it recorded and kept or is it uh, deleted? As another aside, Stephen, next time you go to Tim Hortons, ask for a half black coffee, half hot chocolate, and uh, I think you'll be happy with it. <gasps> Awful. Oh, why would you ruin a hot chocolate there, Biggles? Oh, honestly, terrible. That's called a mocha, isn't it? Um, I don't know what a mocha is, a coffee. I don't understand coffee. Maybe it's not. No, I think actually a mocha is just chocolate, isn't it, in a coffee. I don't know why I'm asking the window in here. It's, it's like it's going to tell me anything. It's not a smart window. It's a regular window. But it will soon have a blind on it, so it'll be even better. Blind is better. Smart, smart, smart windows. <laughs> I can have light. I can have no light. I have the power. Oh, uh, He-Man in there. Okay. Yeah, um, that's a good point, actually. Um, there are some still things. And I'll be honest, I haven't really looked into that side of thing. But connectivity, because um, Shelley Brisbane, who was on uh, a couple of episodes ago, I've lost count now, yeah, yeah. she brought up a really, point, a really good point that I didn't consider was that, you know, this is for indoor use. And I didn't even think about that, but she's absolutely right. There's no indication that, you know, people are going to be wearing it. I don't think it's going to be, you can't take this outside, but will people do that? And I was thinking, is there a GPS signal in there? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know what the internals are. It's a really good point. Here's the problem, right? We have very, very little detail. Uh, you know, it's just we're getting the tiniest amount of details that we need in order to understand this product, but that's as far as it goes. They mm. haven't talked much about, I mean, you're absolutely right, Biggles, no details cellular. I would think it would do with it. Could It could do with having it, but whether or not it needs it necessarily, I don't know. I mean, I, I will say, I don't think anybody's going to leave, the, leave their home without their phone anyway, even with this. I think no, you still can always hotspot it, yes. You know, people aren't going to give up their phone that easily. I mean, we have to almost, you know, detach them from our hands. <laughs> My cold, dead hands. Yeah. Uh, but also, I mean, look, this isn't finished. It, as we've talked about before, this could change. I mean, not massive changes here, but there there could be changes of what's in there. We don't know. All the info we're getting is more on the Vision OS, right? The accessibility features that are going to be in there. When it comes to the hardware itself, still very much, uh, there's a lot of things we don't know yet. As for your point about Call Annie, uh, Biggles, and the question about data, that's a question we're still wondering the answer to. I think the, the short answer regarding this is that the data you are putting into any of these apps, you have to be very careful with because you're, you are sending this data to OpenAI, essentially. That seems to be where most of it is going. And what they're doing with that data is not particularly concerning to me because what essentially they're doing is using it to build the model. The more data they can get, the better. So anyone who's uploading a transcript, who's, you know, I don't know, doing captions for a YouTube video, all that data is going into the OpenAI model to build these language models that essentially create a better AI. Uh, so that's really what it's about. And... That's really up to you to decide what information you want to give it. I would not be uploading my, I don't know, phone bill or electricity bill into mm. this because then my personal data is on there. So I'm a little bit concerned about doing that. And and even on the Be My Eyes beta that's ongoing, that's been a bit of a, a constant conversation. You know, basically don't don't put anything private up there. Almost treat the data that you're showing OpenAI or showing Be My Eyes in the same way you would you would treat it when you're showing them a volunteer, you wouldn't show a volunteer that information either. So just treat it the same way. I think you have to be mindful of that. Now, whether or not long term we find out something horrific about this, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I hope not. Let's. We just don't know. That's the point. But the only way this thing works, the only way AI learns is by consuming more information. So the more information that's out there. This, this show, when it goes up as a podcast, will be consumed by the system. We're feeding the machine. We Learning. are. We're all yes. feeding the machine. If, any, if you put something on the internet, <laughs> that will end up in the mouth of OpenAI. Yeah. There you go. I Munching data. at your data. 
Any data that I give to these things, any of them, I just assume is basically public. Um, so yes. I am careful with it, uh, the exception being... Listen, um, if you upload an image to Twitter, to Facebook, look, a picture of your dog's new house is going to yep. be an open eyes gob. It is, yep. Munching away on your dog's bones. Well, I hope so, because Facebook said it was a rabbit in a rabbit hutch, so that was wrong. Oh, she's listening. Hang on. Oh, she's listening. Oh, dear. Oh, well. Interesting stuff. Okay, one more voicemail before we uh, head on to our our next uh, interview, which I have to say I'm really looking forward to bringing Colin on, because he always has such interesting perspectives on this whole Vision Pro uh, thing, and certainly I have no doubt we'll have uh, interesting perspectives. Uh, Let's hear this uh, voicemail, though, from Anne-Marie, who's got back in touch after a little while. Hi, team. It's Anne-Marie from Worcestershire again. Sorry I've not been in touch for a while. I'm so busy helping everybody else, I sometimes forget about myself. Um, I just want to ask if we could plug something on your show. So I have a blind friend who is or has the eye condition Stargots, and she has set herself, I want to say a mini-adventure, but it's not, it's a massive adventure, She was dropped off in the Orkneys on the 30th of March of this year and she is attempting to walk back to Worcestershire where she lives, which is a 619 mile walk, roughly. She's doing this alone and you can follow her on her Facebook page, which is called Nikki's Most Marvellous Ridiculous Adventure. Or on Instagram, I think it's hashtag blind girl walking. Um, She had to come back at the beginning of May because she slipped and injured her calf muscle. So she had to return to Worcestershire for a couple of weeks to recover. And as of the 30th of May, she's been dropped back into Scotland to reattempt to complete her walk from where she left off before her accident. Um, she's doing it completely alone. She's wild camping every night, relying on the kindness of strangers for food when she's in the countryside and in the middle of nowhere. She'll be staying at B&Bs and hotels for an occasional shower and to wash her clothes. She's using a cane and walking poles and her phone, which is talking to her so she can follow her map route that she's obviously organized before she left. And she's just an absolutely amazing, inspirational lady. And along the way, she's stopping at schools, colleges, churches, teaching and raising awareness about blindness. So she's showing people how she puts up her tent, how she might make herself a little meal on her camping stove. Uh, Like I said, she's going to stop at schools and colleges and do talks about blindness, all for free, all giving up her own time as a little challenge just to show everybody that, you know, people that either have little or no sight can still lead a full life. So if we can plug any of that on your show, just to raise some awareness, get her some more followers on Facebook and share some love and support with her, that would be fabulous. All right, guys, take care. Speak to you soon. Bye. Oh, thank you. Wow, that deserves a round of applause, surely. That's absolutely amazing. Well done. For a second there, though, I was slightly confused. Um, I thought the Orkney was in New Zealand. I thought, oh, Oh, yes. New Zealand to Worcestershire (laughs) in England. That's quite a walk, I'll admit. That's that's one hell of a walk. But that's so impressive. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, Nikki's Most Marvellous Ridiculous Adventure. That's the name of the Facebook page. And uh, you can find out more about Nikki on uh, Nikki Button, I think is her name. Uh, you can find her on Facebook. Um, if you wanted to be popular, this is how you do it. Yeah, no, just- absolutely. That's so good. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. We'll put the link in there. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, listen, stick around. We are going to talk more about Apple and WWDC, and in particular, how Vision Pro might work for someone with physical disabilities. Colin Hughes it joins us next to give us his view as someone who lives with muscular dystrophy. This is Double Tap on AMI-audio. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air, and on Mastodon at Double Tap. 
Now on the show, I'm joined by Colin Hughes. Now, Colin lives with muscular dystrophy, and he's here today to tell us all about his uh, thoughts on Apple's new Vision Pro and, indeed, any other announcements that came out that uh, interested him. Colin is a disability advocate. He writes a lot about disability and uh, a lot about accessibility as well. I'm so pleased to have him back on the show. Colin, great to have you here. Great to be with you. So let's talk about the announcements. There are many. Um, Obviously, Vision Pro is the thing everyone's talking about, and we should absolutely get into that. But I know you are very interested in the subject of accessibility on iOS generally and macOS, and we've talked a lot about this in the past from your unique perspective. Uh, What are you taking away from some of the software announcements this year? I think the proof is going to be in the pudding. You know, I'm I'm not a developer. I haven't had any hands-on time. So I'm having to read the mainstream tech press, also look at uh, YouTube videos. And um, a lot of the accessibility you've got to find by reading between the lines, put it that way. That's so common, right? <laughs> yeah, the issue is that it's it's all kind of hidden sometimes in the minutia of the detail. We we get these big headlines that come out from WWDC, which are all very interesting. But you know, for us, we're looking for that deeper level of understanding, and you know, we get that through time. We don't get that instantly. But you know, something you've talked a lot about is dictation. And that was something which was touched upon in the event where dictation would be improved in iOS 17. That must be good news for you. Yeah, that uh, leapt out at me. There weren't any really obvious uh, accessibility improvements at WDPCC because simply they were they were announced uh, much earlier than the event this week. Um, and often it's the small things when it comes to accessibility. So I saw this one line that said, dictation leverages a new speech recognition model to make it more accurate. And that really was music to my ears because I've highlighted quite extensively the shortcomings with Siri dictation and voice control dictation. So this looks really interesting, and I can't wait to try it out when the public beaters are released next month. And, and if you don't mind explaining for our audience who maybe haven't heard you on the show before, explain to us how you interact with the computer and the phone. Well, I can't use my arms due to severe but muscle weakness. So I need to do everything by voice. So that can be that WhatsApp messaging to friends and family. It can be writing a long email to someone. It could be a document. And with my disability, my voice is also weak. My breathing's weak. So I need the dictation to be as productive and accurate as possible. And unfortunately, up until now, there is been there is room for improvement. And it's not just dictation, is it? I mean Siri as well, which wasn't really talked about that much at the event. Not many updates to Siri. Uh, that is one aspect of the Mac and, and indeed iOS that is uh, let's just say underperforming and that's being kind. I use Siri a lot for home control and there is one interesting but update with that is the option to drop the word hey which for people like me where speech and breathing are compromised dropping one word is actually quite significant so i can't wait to use it and just say siri turn off the lights or Siri, turn up the heating. That's going to be interesting. And why is that? Because of the fact that, like you're saying with your breathing and your speaking, that just taking that one word away actually just makes the process simpler. Yes, that's exactly exactly it in a nutshell. Any little savings 
you could make when you're extremely weak um, are really welcomed. Because how many people would have thought that's a gimmick? A, a lot. A lot. I don't think I've seen anywhere in the coverage linking that change to accessibility, but it absolutely is an accessibility benefit for people like me. How has iOS in particular been performing for you uh, up until now? It's, it's, it's slow but steady improvements. Um, I, like a lot of people, want the things to go much quicker. Um, and I lobby as much as I can. Things are heading in the right direction, but not fast enough for me. And, and what about macOS? Because it does tend to have a different, uh, certainly the same set of accessibility options, but presented in a different way. How does that perform for you so far? And uh, are you excited about any announcements coming out in the new Sonoma macOS update? The voice control application is the big one for me on macOS. It helps me navigate the desktop, dictate on documents, uh, take a screenshot. It can do so much. But one area where it fails is long-form dictation. There are lots of annoying little bugs and errors and deficiencies with accuracy. But all I'm hoping is that the improvements to Siri dictation follow through into voice control dictation. Yeah, it was interesting they never used the phrase artificial intelligence at any point during the event, right? That's right. Um, but I think they prefer machine learning. But I think quite a lot of that is going into improving Siri. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and that certainly seems to be where it's going, which is good. This is exactly what we need. And I think it's likely, Colin, I think you might agree with this, that over the next year, the speed Apple tends to work. We might see the biggest improvements to Siri at next year's WWDC, which for some might be too far away, but I think that's the realistic outlook. Yes, I agree. Apple will wait and watch and see how AI beds in um, and come to it later and probably but smash it with its uh, implementation. I hope so. So we've got to talk about Vision Pro because everything you've talked about there in regards to how you interact with technology and you mentioned your voice in particular being the, the major driver for you, this device sounds almost perfect then because you can drive this device with just your voice as well as, of course, uh, there are other options, but ultimately you can, in your case, use this by voice. Yes, I'm really intrigued um, what the level of voice input is in this device. It was mentioned several times at the keynote, but you can control aspects of it with voice. So I'll be watching that closely in the coming months. The other thing that interests me is um, the idea of using hand gestures, but they say are really small gestures. I want to know, you know, how much you have to move your finger, for example, to navigate. Um, that would be really interesting because there is a parallel. The Apple Watch also has gesture controls, but I can't use them because my muscle power is not sufficient to trigger those gestures on the Apple Watch. Can I control gestures on the new headset? That's a big question mark. Well, this is the interesting bit, because what we saw in that video, which uh, we talked about on yesterday's show, and you know, you should, if you haven't had a chance to, to watch this, you really must, I will admit, most of it went over my head. Uh, but, you know, it was really interesting to just understand from the Apple developer session on how to create 
uh, accessible spatial experiences, they actually did talk about how people with physical and motor difficulties can drive this headset through a multitude of different ways, but also those ways in isolation. So just your voice, just gestures, just your head, or a combination of all of them. So it does seem to be opening up to pretty much any input capability. That, that That's very encouraging. I hadn't heard that. So, you know, that gives me a lot of hope. Um, I've been using wearable headset technology for six months now. Every day I wear a pair of smart glasses and I'm a big, big fan of this tech. But obviously this headset from Apple, you know, takes that to another, another league. But for me, it's a really interesting area of tech that I want to get into. So a lot of blind people are having this discussion at the moment. Okay, how can this work for me? And we're thinking about things like orientation and mobility. We're thinking about navigation. We're thinking about being able to identify things. So way more than what the product is offering right now. This will come through applications much later down the road in terms of development. Are you feeling the same way? Are you looking at this product and thinking, hey, how can this work for me? And have there been any thoughts that have jumped out at you uh, off the bat? Absolutely. I mean, as I mentioned, I, I'm using um, Ray-Ban Stories Spark glasses. I started using them at Christmas time. And, you know, the smartphone camera revolution of the last 20 years had completely passed me by. I could not take my own photos and videos that so many people take for granted every day until I put on the Ray-Ban Stories smart glasses and, hey presto, I could take my first ever photo, my first ever video, but it was a wonderful feeling to be able to do that and share it, but with others. So there are you know, groundbreaking features um, that can literally transform lives. So I've been out and about in London in the last few weeks, taking photos, my own photos and videos of London landmarks and sharing them with family and friends. And it is an amazing feeling. And to be absolutely clear on this, this is the first time you've been able to do this using that technology on your own independently. Yes, at the age of 57. I have never been able to do that until I bought a pair of Ray-Ban stories spark glasses, which of course is a much more simpler device than the Apple headset, but it does show how this kind of tech can be transformative. Now we often talk, especially in our, our blind world, we often talk about how this kind of technology, this mainstream tech, with all its capability, will impact specialist technology. From your unique perspective, does this have an impact on any technology that perhaps you use that would be considered specialist, that, that essentially Apple Vision Pro could, could take over? I think it could take over um, a lot of things. I mean, watching that films and so on, you wouldn't need to set up complex, um, you know, smart home capabilities to turn on a television, uh, for example. Um, yeah, I'm documenting your daily life, home control. Um, it takes all aspects of daily life to a, another level, potentially. I didn't even think about that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the hassles that we have with accessible televisions. That goes away. That problem just disappears. Yeah. You have your own you know, cinema um, and voice controlled. And no, you know, no 
get your friend or a carer to you know, plug in and wire in complex boxes and dongles and all that kind of thing. Everything's on your head. That is incredible. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, I think, though, there's an interesting juxtaposition here for us, isn't there? Because when you look at the capability of this headset and we dream about what this will be capable of and what it can do for us, we then have to put that next to the reality that we have operating systems existing today that are not perfect, that have many bugs still in them, that you still have challenges with today. How do you square that circle? When I look at the the new shiny headset, um, I just kind of have mixed feelings in the sense that Apple has clearly pumped billions and billions and billions of pounds into the development of this one headset. And I wonder what cost that has brought to the development and improvement of accessibility features in its existing lineup of products. That's all the question that rattles around in my head. There's lots of talk around the physical nature of the device actually getting it onto your head. And that's something that, again, is going to be an accessibility challenge for many people. I'm guessing you as well. How do you feel about that? I do have concerns about that. And whether I could wear it for long periods. They have said that they've made it very lightweight. They've said that they've... That's one of the reasons why the battery is external, to keep it light. But I do wonder, you know, whether I can tolerate it for the long periods. I will definitely need a carer to put it on and adjust it. But what happens if I want to take it off and the carer is not around? So I do have questions about fit, definitely. Now... There's obviously a, a bigger question here because you mentioned you're using the Ray-Ban Stories glasses, which I must admit I'm very keen to try because they do sound very interesting. I'm intrigued to know about how they work with something like VoiceOver and you know through the applications that will come with it. So you know I need to investigate all that. But but it's interesting to hear how this technology is being used, especially by you. But of course, there's a bigger field out there of all these devices that already exist. And of course, Meta are already on the, the way with the Quest products, the Quest 3 being recently released, and now the, the Quest Pro, of course, as well. How do you sort of, when you look at these products that are out there, the alternatives that are cheaper, um, what's your take on those compared to this announcement? I would have loved Apple to go down the route of fashionable lightweight, wearable spectacles rather than the uh, goggle-type, very advanced uh, vision headset that they have offered. I think Tim Cook favoured that route. There was quite a lot of press coverage in the last few weeks that he was personally interested in glasses versus goggles. Um, it's a route that Meta is going down. They have introduced Ray-Ban stories in the last 18 months. It's a very lightweight, very fashionable. You can take photos, videos, WhatsApp message, listen to music. And from what I understand, their plan is to bring out a Gen 2 Ray-Ban stories this autumn, which will have more features, more capabilities. And within about three or four years from now, 2026, 27, they will have AR built into lightweight Gen 3 Ray-Ban stories. I find that proposition really interesting. Do you think, though, that Apple would have loved to do this, but just, you know, because of the time and the development process taking the years I'm sure it has, do you think that they just had to settle at this point and, and aim to do that, a, a similar type product that you're talking about, but 
likely in a couple of more years' time? I think the battle inside Apple regarding, you know, very advanced goggles versus lightweight glasses is the most fascinating thing about this story. But clearly was a battle. Tim Cook was in one camp. There were others in another camp. And it's turned out that, you know, we've come up with, they've come up with the goggles, not the glasses. And that's, for me, the most interesting thing. Who will be right at the end of the day? I don't know, but I just know what I prefer to put on my face. Well, I have to be honest. I, I think that you, well, you, you would think that more people would be on our side with this in terms of lightweight, nicer, more fashionable. It's, it's more Apple in that way. You know, almost, and that's the one thing that's unusual about these goggles is it doesn't really look like something Apple would have produced if they had the choice. Exactly. And that's what's been intriguing me all along. Um, the former is definitely the route that I believe Apple should have gone down. So what happens next here? Because, of course, these de- these products will develop and will continue to develop. Um, where, do you, where do you see this landing? Because, of course, we're talking a year away, at least, for these glasses to, or these goggles to come out. And other companies will be rushing to do either similar or, you know, get their products ready for market. Where do you think we'll be in a year's time when this finally gets released? I think in a year's time, um, hopefully, things will become a lot clearer for, for us all because there are so many unanswered questions. I feel that in 10 years from now, Apple will have lightweight glasses. I think that is the, the end goal, and they will uh, get there. But I think Meta might get there first. Colin, it is always incredible to get your perspective on things. Thank you so much for coming on to Double Tap today and sharing your thoughts on Vision Pro and indeed WWDC and more. It's been really interesting to talk to you. Pleasure. Just incredible to talk to Colin. And yeah, I know. Where do you start? Honestly, Sean, we can talk so much. Uh, If only we had another hour. Thankfully, we're back tomorrow. Uh, So we can talk more (laughs) about this. But uh, honestly, so much in there. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this, Sean, but also our listeners as well. Keep the the feedback coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. That is our email address. 1877-803-4567 is our phone-in number. You can leave us a voicemail there and you can also find us across social media at double tap across social media and at double tap on air as well uh, we are back tomorrow we are joined by marka he'll be with us to give us the mainstream view <laughs> oh i love it as uh, we continue our coverage of apple's worldwide developer conference taking over double tap this week it's been really interesting sean thank you thank you bye-bye Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.